Good day, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks New Media. Welcome to Perspectives and Focus, where we highlight the people, the industries, ideas, and technology that are making positive strides within society. You know, as we wrap up Women's History Month, I wanted to maintain that focus of bringing premium content and discussions led and championed by women in society. My guests today have been in the C-suite as chief executive officers of their respective companies. They've each had tremendous success and they've each had tremendous setbacks. One launched the first nationwide mass market distribution of consumer biometric products. The other was self-funded and gained great success for a two-decade period developing skincare cosmetic products and distributing them through prestigious department stores and high-end spas and salons globally. We're not going to dwell on the negative, but we will bring some attention to it as we have a discussion about CEO lessons learned and having a responsible mindset while raising capital. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me bring on my guests for the evening Lorraine Yarding. Hey, James. Joy how Chances. How are you guys? James. Great. Thank you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for joining. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the willingness to share this story with, with the community. I think, you know, again, this is, this is relevant, especially thank you for closing out Women's History Month with me, right? With, with uh, two, two powerful women in, in, in industry. And I think this, that just resonates with where we're looking to go with higher level conversation and higher level uh, content. I gave a little bit of a snippet. Uh, snippet to what you guys have done right from a business perspective. And I know that's not even the half of a paragraph in terms of what you've accomplished and what you're still accomplishing. But I always think it's better for each individual to tell kind of their own origin story, let's say. Right. So, Joy, if you don't mind, could you let's start with you. We're going to go alphabetical. And, and Joy, <laughs> I come last. I First question will be, we'll bring to you, Lorraine. But Joy, can you just tell the folks who you are? And just again, like I say, that origin story, I love having uh, individuals share that. Yeah, I'm, I'm Joey Chances. Um, I started a, a company um, in 1993 when I was 19 years old. Uh, a beauty company where I formulated skincare products and sold them to prestige department stores um, uh, all around the world, such as Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom, Saks. I was on QVC for 15 years. Um, all of it for you know over two decades. It was a privately held company um, that I self-funded, and um, on or about around 2013. Um, I you know, the, the company did go public. Uh, I was convinced by the so-called, you know, Wall Street whizzes to <laughs> take the company public through a, a reverse merge and, um, you know, scale the company and, you know, do it that way. And ultimately, uh, well, it didn't really work out. And mm. we'll talk about that later. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Lorraine, tell, nice tell the folks you. who you are. Oh, where do I start? Well, let's get on the focus on the mic. The top of oh, my hand. So wait, say, say that one more time. Let's focus, stay focused on focus, you. I, focus, I love that. Right, right. So um, I've been involved in two public vehicles, two public companies. Um, first one I co-founded in 2004, and we were innovators in the fingerprint biometric space. We were the first company to bring any kind of consumer biometric products to the U.S. market. Before Apple and Samsung thought about putting mm. biometrics on phones, we were putting it into garage door openers and front door locks, et cetera, safes, et cetera. 
Um, we did. We had partnership deal, deals with Masterlock uh, overhead door company. We sold to you know big box retailers, Home Depot, Lowe's, um, Costco. You name it. We were in you know all those channels. Um, 2008 came and the market crashed, and our products were considered to be premium products compared to the typical access products that used a pin code or a key. Mm. So um, that first company unfortunately lost funding. Um, we then decided to take the technology into the medical space to provide added security and convenience in the medical space with medical devices. So I founded a company in uh, 2010, um, which took the technology that we developed or the similar technology we developed uh, in the prior company. And uh, through a, actually we filed our own form 10 and S1 and went public that way. The first company we did a reverse merge. Um, and as Joey mentioned, you know, we had some success uh, with both companies. Um, with the, the, the latter company, uh, similar situation to Joe's, we got involved in some, you know, death spiral toxic lending deals. And unfortunately, kind of that put things on hold. However, we're coming back strong. And we'll talk about that a bit later. I love that. I love that last piece right there. Coming back strong, regardless of whatever turmoil and, and turbulence that you went through. And that's just life lessons. And I'm going to take advantage and utilize this time and this platform to really help folks who may be coming up behind you with what to look for those 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 pitfalls and things of that nature so let, let's go ahead and get right into it folks in the in the community if you have a question for the panel please like you see the scrolling ticker going up there put a queue in front of it because i'm sure there's going to be a lot of engagement i want to be able to highlight any specific questions you may have let's go ahead and get into it how did you go from being a privately held company to a private uh to a public company lorraine we'll start with you Okay, so I think I mentioned it quickly in the introduction. Yeah. So the, fir the first uh, company we, we, we founded, we actually did a reverse merge with an existing public shell. And, uh, and we, bought, uh, we bought an operating business into a relatively keen public vehicle. Um, a second time around, we actually self-underwrote the deal. We, rate, we, you know, we didn't have an uh, investment banker underwrite it, but we were able to raise enough capital through friends and family. And um, we actually filed our own Form 10 and S1. I went public that way. So had experience in two different ways, um, both very challenging. Uh, and, uh, you know, but the, se the second route was, I think, more, more preferable because we were able to um, capitalize the company the way we wanted to, as opposed to the first route, we brought along some baggage with us mm. to the reverse merge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Joey, what, what about you? That's a, that's a, that's an interesting story. I'm, I may pivot off, off of my, my notes anyway, just, just to go into some of that right there. But, but Joey, talk, talk to us a little bit about, about your side. How, how do you, did you go from private to public? Yeah, it is, it is pretty interesting. And similar to uh, Lorraine's situation, um, we did a reverse merge as well with a public shell. Um, uh, however, you know, as a privately held company, that's, you know, what I understood. That's what I knew. And um, there was, and I refer to these Wall Street wizards because I don't want to name any names um, mm -hmm. for a few reasons. Uh, so but they were in my inner circle and I trusted them. And they, you know, basically said I was at a time of the business where really wanted to take it to the next level, scale it, play with big boys and the big brands and really instead of just keep reinvesting in self-funding um you know to get um you know access to capital markets being public um to be able to raise enough money to you know grow the business uh quickly and efficiently 
Um, so it sounded like a, a great idea. Um, and really, you know, the way it was also presented to me that is that as a CEO of the company, I can just continue to do what I was doing, which is building the business, growing the business and managing the day-to-day -day business. Um, while the Wall Street whizzes and the SEC accountants and the SEC attorneys and the PCAOB auditors, they're all gonna handle all that stuff and you know make sure that we're all current with the filings and you know all these you know nuances and, and very detail oriented things that i really wasn't a, a really aware of at the time um and so that that happened you know in in about 2013 um the company went uh public through the reverse verge and um you know we we started looking to you know do some acquisitions um we started a new concept which was called uh, botox uh beauty labs which we were building um uh, botox beauty bars um uh, all around the country wow. we had opened up four of them at the time um and then we got involved uh with these you know toxic lenders who you know as lorraine and i talked about you know really can destroy a company so let me let me ask you this, because so I'm actually going to shuffle up the questions that I had right here. So for folks that are watching, you're, you're going to see question numbers that are going to be different. Um, is this something common? Right. Just just in terms of dealing with the folks that, that, that we're calling toxic lenders. I mean, obviously, that's not on their business card. That's not on, you know, in the yellow pages when, when you start engaging with them where it's called. But, you know, just how do you end up being, being involved with someone like this? I mean, and, and again, no, no fault to anyone, but just again, how, how does one come to be within those circles and that circumstance to where your company gets tied up with the, and again, we're not naming any names, but the folks that are within these types of circles. I mean, it's, it's just an interesting thing. And, and again, this is from an educational perspective for CEOs, executives, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs coming up behind you so they can also avoid this pitfall. And, and you guys can chime in any kind of way you want to. I mean, I'll, I'll take the, that. I'll take the full. Okay, I'll go first, Joey. So, so essentially, um, on the OTC, right? So we're not talking about Nasdaq and those are the types of uh, um, exchanges, but on the OTC predominantly, it's extremely common for small public companies to fall prey to these Wall Street wizards. Again, let's call them that, mm -hmm. um, be, because because it's difficult for small public companies to raise capital through the traditional route. So. You, you know, you can't get an investment bank traditionally to come in and uh, underwrite any kind of race for you because typically most public companies don't have the revenue, you know, they don't have the, the positive cash flow, positive EBITDA to attract mm -hmm. those, you know, the, the investment bankers. Um, most of the times, you know, they're either self-funded initially or, you know, they have friends and family or angel investors, okay? But that only takes you so far. Right. And to, to Joey's point, you know, you have all of these other things you have to do. You have to pay a piece of your big accountants and, you know, the attorneys and all those sorts of things. And it's a very, very expensive proposition. And unless you've done it, you don't realize how expensive it is. So the money runs out real quick. That seed capital you get, either it's self-funding or family, friends, you know, angel funding runs out really, really quickly. And you get, I mean... Well, once as soon as you're public, you get knocked on the door. The door's knocking constantly. Phones ringing, with these Wall Street wizards offering to raise your capital. Right? Oh, we've got all these funds that raise money. You know, very quick process. You can close in three or four days. Da, da, da. And it sounds great. You know, 
and that, but they they don't really go through the fine the small print right so you know they just they just give you the highlights right yeah you're gonna have to you know agree to a discount to conversion on the stock but don't worry mm. because you know what I mean so this kind of and then you get bombarded with uh, you know stacks and stacks of paperwork to to do a deal and they expect and you they they don't expect you to read it right so again well, most, third person of, looking in here. Yeah, most of the time not. No, right. But yeah. And honestly, it's, and I think that's I think it's designed that way because they're flashing these dollars in front of you, right? You know, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, whatever it might be, and you need the money to make payroll to yeah. continue to keep the doors open, right? To to keep your filings current, and it's like it's easy money, right? Mm. So you you know you often overlook yeah. the small print. I mean, I'll I'll admit that to start with. I mean, you know, granted, I my discounts were all relatively i don't think they were that bad they were most i think the most we did was a 35 percent discount to market right in the, okay. in the deal okay right and they tell you don't worry we're going to be gentle with the stock we support the company they ask you questions about the business so you think that they're interested in the business right they want to know who you're selling to who your prospects are but okay and when it comes down to it because they're getting that discount they could actually make great money by being good lenders to the company, right? If they didn't correct, correct. convert and then tank the stock. But we, we should, I mean, it, it's, the, it's there in front of us when we, when we actually do the deal, but we don't even, we overlook it. We have a note, we have a uh, 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 stock purchase agreement, two things that conflict each other. Why do we have a stock purchase agreement and a note together, right? We don't even, but we sign them, don't we? We just sign them as CEOs because we want the money. We need the money. We've got to keep the business going. Oh, see. Right? So it's like a, it's like a rope-a-dope kind of situation where, you know, they kind of pull you in so far, you're kind of in. And then you have all these, you just, you just, and I mean, it's like signing your life away. It's kind of a scary situation. And if you haven't got good legal counsel, honestly, even even the the uh, attorneys in the OTC, I mean, I don't want to name names. No, so, know, like no, that's a great setup, most, though. <laughs> most of them, you know, you know, most of them don't give you good advice. Yeah. But thank goodness there are some out there now that are, you know, really trying to make a difference, make a change. But most of them will just say, yeah, it's fine. These are, these are the normal deals. Yeah, the paperwork's fine. You know, that's it. But they don't highlight the, the pitfalls. So, so Joy, before I let you in, in, in interject, I, w- I want to give two shouts out because you two have drawn some rock stars into the community, into the audience. Everyone that's here is a rock star anyway, in and of themselves. So appreciate everyone for being here. But uh, Dr. Chandra, good to see you, sir. G- glad you are in the building. Uh, appreciate you. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure. And then you got this guy in the room, Pasanate. <laughs> right. So, so again, and, and coming from the organization that, that Gus is from, right? You, you think about where do you, and again, I'm going off of script here. Where do you engage with someone like a Basile Law Firm and to to have these conversations is it unfortunately at that tail end when you've already been taken advantage of or is that more of a conversation that you have at the beginning are there other lawyers that you have within your your circle and your sphere of influence and again this, this is me third person looking and kind of asking selfishly the questions for myself i'm sure other audience members have this question as well but when and where could you bring in someone like august passanate to assist with looking at all of those shiny documents and they're just giving you the pen talking about Sign, sign them all right here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think every um, OT markets company should have um, counsel, just general counsel, um, that's always looking over your shoulder. Um, 
you know, it's, it's really important. Uh, in my particular case, uh, I was like far, I, um, you know, came across, uh, Marcus, the sale law firm and, and Gus, um, uh, I was already a pro se defendant in one of the toxic lending litigation lawsuits. Um, but I had researched uh, Mark Basile. I, I did a tremendous amount of research and I saw that he really specialized in this business and in this field in securities litigation. And it's very, very sophisticated. Not many attorneys um, really understand all the nuances of it. Mm. And I followed all of his cases and I, re and I read all of them. Um, I had had conversations with him about broker dealer issues and you know the SEC cracking down on these lenders regarding um, the unregistered broker-dealer. Um, I was also following Lorraine's case that that um, Mr. Basile was representing in the ADAR bays and the success they had there and the win that they had there um, regarding usury, criminal usury laws in New York. And right now I'm, I'm actually following in their footsteps because of that decision and it's looking pretty good. <laughs> well, well, that's good news, right? Because uh, a, a number of landmark, I'm, I'm using Gus and, 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 and Mr. Brazil's uh, wording, a number of landmark cases have been, have been yes. uh, decided from yeah. that firm. Yeah. So they, they, they know how to roll their sleeves up and take care of their clients. So appreciate that for sure. Let me, let me go back to kind of the string of questioning here and say, I guess, and, and we may have already touched on this, but I'm just wondering if, if there's some more areas that you can elaborate on, right? Challenges of raising capital properly, effectively, uh, from, from a long-term strategy perspective for small public companies. Um, and then again, you guys can go in, in any route. But, so we started with Lorraine. I'll tell you what, Joy, let's, let's start with you this time, if you don't mind. Sure. I mean, so I, I think one of the challenges of a small public company is that um, to raise clean capital and in get institutional funding because a lot of these, you know, um, uh, institutional funders do not want to invest in startups and, and a lot of the OTC markets companies are kind of, they're just in research. They don't even have any revenues. I mean, I did have revenues and I did have a, you know, a whole business model, um, but it was still challenging. And, you know, again, I'm in a different, like a rather unique situation. You know, I think it might be a little different than Lorraine, but I really wasn't involved in uh, the, the fundraising, um, and getting the capital, those were for the, you know, my, the trusted wall street whizzes that I, you know, believed would be able to obtain the proper capital. So unbeknownst to me, um, you know, they enter into these securities purchase agreements with these so-called toxic lenders and, um, you know, who, who aren't really even allowed to be entering into securities purchase agreements mm -hmm. anyway, because registered broker dealers. Um, and then they make all these, you know, complicated deals about, you know, like with these convertible notes and they act like, as Lorraine said, they act like they're in this for the long haul and they love the company and they're really into this, you know, the startups and, and, you know, and then they, they give you like tranches of money. They just, they don't just like give you a, you know, the amount of capital that you really need to build the business. They give you enough basically to hang yourself. And then they, with the promise of, you know, giving you more. And then really what ends up happening is after 180 days, they're allowed to, you know, uh, convert their shares. And meanwhile, you know, we're thinking they're in it for the long haul, years and years down the road. And after 180 days, they're starting to sell, convert and sell their shares, which they're selling at a discount. 
And not only are they selling at a discount, but they don't even have to disclose it to the public. So, you know, after they convert these shares, the stock price obviously falls mm. and then they do it again and again and again. And that's where the death spiral comes into play. And then a stock price can go from $3 a share to sub penny 0.002 within six months easily. Oh. So, yeah, and to, to Joey's point, they're selling aggressively at a discount. So what they do is they, after the 180 days, they don't convert the complete note. They convert yeah. a portion of the note. They sell at a discount, which drives the price down. Then they convert wow. another portion of the note. And they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So to your, to, you know, to your question earlier, why is it difficult? Well, as soon as you get into one of those deals, like we entered into those transactions thinking, you know, we're going to start to generate revenue. We're going to be able to pay them off. But what we ended up doing is taking the next deal to, to borrow from Peter to pay off Paul. And it just kept, we just kept doing that until we dug such a big hole for ourselves, we couldn't get our way out of it, right? So, you know, now we have multiple toxic lenders, you know, that have reached their 180-day period and they're now converting at discounts. And so we can't keep track of who's doing, you know, where's all the selling coming from? Because as Joey said, they don't have to disclose. I mean, the OTC is somewhat of an unregulated, at least at least up until this point, an unregulated platform. Thankfully, now the SEC are coming in and they're cracking down on a lot of these types Good. of transactions and the and these these lenders, right? But it's like it's like the wild wild west is probably the best way to describe it because there really are no walls. And then you have the market makers that are in bed with these lenders. And, you know, then you get all the shorting of the stock. And it, it, it's mm. just, again, that's where the, that's where the death file comes in. Because you don't do one deal, you do multiple deals. And they're all converting at a discount. And then then let's say, you know, um, some of them have flaws in their conversion. Flaws, say flaws. You know, we, the, the stock price can't go below a certain amount. Otherwise, you end up with a default interest amount. Right? So now, or, or default. So now you're not converting at a 35% discount. You're converting at a 50% discount to market. And it just goes on and on and on and on. So, so check this out, folks. I mean, I, I don't I want to pause because I, I don't want this to just be glazed over and be assumed. Folks, you and I put it in the comments right there. You are definitely getting a 201, 401 level um, education here behind the scenes. You're not going to get this on the news. You're not going to get this in a newspaper. You're not going to get this in a magazine. These ladies have been through the fire, have actually seen the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that. And if you are in these situations or around these situations, hopefully you got your pen and paper on taking some notes because this is valuable information that you are not going to get from experiencing it, right? Without seeing someone who has already been there and having the conversations about, again, the the predatory types of actions, the the resources that should be available to you ahead of time. And I think, Lorraine, you said something that was interesting, that, that there's really no, no, nothing stopping the, this type of activity, right? It's, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, the, the wild, yeah, I mean, the wild, it's, it's almost as it's come, and you wonder if there could be, and so I'm, I'm a pivot. Well, no, go, go ahead, Lorraine, you're, you're more. Well, no, I mean, so, 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 as I said in the introduction, you know, we're now coming back strong, so, I think you both alluded to the fact that, you know, we, as, as, as a company, we decided we were going to fight back. You know, the, you know, we, we got sued by, because at the end of the day, we, ended, we just, we couldn't continue to operate the business. So we had several outstanding notes with several different toxic lenders. And I was sued personally by one as well as the company. So, you know, mm. of course, when you get sued personally, 
you know, I have assets, you don't want to take our assets. So now you have to settle. We settle with that one for significantly more than we actually owed. I mean, we, I think we borrowed maybe a hundred thousand dollars. Our settlement was to like 1.5 million. Wow. Okay. Um, and then along came the next, uh, you know, uh, lawsuit from Adar Bayes, as Joey mentioned before. Um, and, uh, you know, we had, um, it wasn't Mark at the time. He wasn't, uh, he had another firm representative because he, he wasn't actually operating the Basile Law Firm back then, but he was involved in the initial, you know, uh, litigation with Adar Bayes. And we lost initially, like they, they won summary judgment in the U.S. District Court. Wow. Um, and then, you know, we went to the... Uh, the New York Court of Appeals, and that's where Mark first argued the, the whole usury uh, statute and basically looking at the discount to market and all of the other fees and whatever else you pay to them to do the deal as interest, not just the interest to the note, right? And the New York State Court of Appeals, mm. New, York, New York Court of Appeals, agreed with him, and then it was elevated to New York State Court of Appeals who agreed with him again. Right. So now it's back. So, so, so that that was really the, the landmark case right there. In okay. that, you know, now it's been determined that not just so we may have a note, it might have a 12 percent interest rate on it. Right. But then you have a securities purchase agreement, which has a conversion attached to it at 35 percent, 40 percent discount to market. So now the, the precedent is that that discount can also be considered as interest on the note, pushing it okay. way above. Mm. The statutory 24.99%, uh, you know, for commercial loans of interest with New York State, I'm speaking of anyway, predominantly. But so now you're looking at close to 65 to 70% uh, uh, interest. So, you know, those, those, those notes now, based on that determination, and we have to go through the process within, within you know, the district courts, but could be void ab initio because they're, they're, they're not valid. The notes aren't valid because they're usurious. There's too many flaws in the system. I'm just going to say that right you know, now because right. You, you, you've got me just wanting to ask different types of questions, but I know Gus is in here and he's going to keep you straight to make sure you don't say, say anything you're not supposed to say. So. Yeah, he already, he already, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's already kind of, kind of put the, the stamp on that. Yeah. But listen, we've got some phenomenal questions that are actually coming in from the community that's listening as well. So appreciate you guys for asking that. Uh, Senior Miss Val, what factors could contribute to withholding details from a filing and could this be a, a positive strategy for raising clean capital? Well, that's a great question. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm not sure how to answer that question really because I mean, as a public company, you're required to disclose anything, any material transaction. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we are as CEOs allowed to withhold details um, of any particular transaction that we've done with toxic lenders because they, they're, they're material um, and they affect the cap table and everything. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that's an option for us. I mean, I can understand why he would ask that question, right? Because if we don't disclose, we're doing those types of loans. Right, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Maybe become targets or whatever. But yeah, no, unfortunately, or, you know, well, fortunately, really, you know, the whole point of being public is that we disclose everything. We disclose all of our material agreements. Uh, it's an open, we're an open book. But then that at the same time makes us predators and, and, and open to these types of transactions and further shorting of the stock. And, you know, then you have the message boards, et cetera, that come into play. But, yeah, I, I, I think the key is just not to not to take on any toxic. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, of, of but, course. But that, yeah. 
the moral of the story, and yeah, hindsight 2020, right? Monday morning quarterbacking and everything is just don't do it. Well, the good thing now is that, you know, you asked the question before, when to consult, when do you consult an attorney? So yeah. we know that we, ha we all have SEC attorneys. And as I said before, most of them don't really give you good advice when it comes to these types of, of, of um, predatory lending practices, right? Because they're so, it's like they're accepted on the OTC. It's like okay. they're the norm. They're the norm, right? Or they have been the norm. Um, but since, you know, our case with Adar Bayes and now the Bastille Law Firm is aggressively, you know, they, they've become experts in this field. They're aggressively going after these toxic lenders. I think the opportunity is there now for more CEOs to educate themselves out the gate, right? Not all lenders are bad, right? But I think you need to have somebody who specializes in these types of notes to, as Joey said before, you know, really, you know, drill down to the details uh, so that they can really understand what they're getting themselves into, right? And, and uh, I think the Basile Law is doing that. The Basile Law Firm is doing that, you know, out in the open now. Yes. Um, and I think because of what they're doing, a lot of these predatory lenders are changing their practice, which is a great thing. So, you know, what we're hoping we're going to be doing is changing the whole overall landscape. Uh, I think, you know, what you think, what you are doing is changing the landscape yeah. one yeah. by, by yeah. just obviously having the cases, but I'm, I'm going to selfishly say as well by having this discussion, right? Definitely get, getting this information out there, allowing folks to understand that there are predatory folks out there who are vying on these smaller organizations, smaller companies who need the money. And, and you but, made, you made the, the point perfectly clear about payroll, you know, all the other stuff can, can wait. But you got you got to take care of payroll day one, right? right. So, so when, when you have those types of constraints and those types of weights on the shoulders of the C-level executives, then you start looking at things that may look a little too glossy on the top and, and, and a little, little matte on, on the bottom, right? Those, those kinds of things. So it's, And it's a balance, James, because, you know, you feel responsible because you have families that are dependent yeah. on you, right? Yeah. Um, you, and then you have the shareholders and, you know, so you, you need to borrow the money because you need to pay your, your employees. You don't want to dilute anymore because of shell, you know, so you really play. It's such a fine balance. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you, but, but I can speak, speak for myself. I mean, you know, the intentions were always good, right? The intentions were always to do the right thing for the company, for the shelters, for the, for the employees. Right. But it's like the old adage, you can't keep everybody happy all the time. Right. So somebody's <laughs> going to be upset with you. Right? Oh, well, you know, if you, if you don't have haters out there, you're and, not winning sometimes, but you know, yeah. yeah. But that used to keep me up at night. That's what kept me up at night. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because it's it's so difficult to keep everybody happy when you're running a you know a small public company. Um, yeah, so things it, that you don't think about when you when private companies that you just don't have that kind of pressure. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that because again, that's that's kind of one thing that gets assumed sometimes. But it's again good to hear someone like like you two from that level sitting in that corner office, really just saying, I, "Look, we we can't please." everybody all the time we, we got to be laser focused on on the business deliverables and things of that nature let me bring up a couple of more comments and because again the audience is on fire tonight so shouts out to them quint is he he he's, he's bashing me giving me a hard time he's talking about lining up so it fits james because he knew he had a long comment here quint is saying what was your experience and how did you deal with any bashing groups that would target your companies yeah, well, um, I, I can sort of answer that. I mean, the, you know, basically just don't read the message boards, <laughs> stay away, <laughs> you know, stay away from all of that. Um, 
No, uh, you know, reputation management is 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 huge, and um, you know, it's really really difficult um, to you know avoid being um, you know the target of you know negativity with um, especially with toxic lenders. You know, they do. Um, I mean, they're they're out there all the time. You know, making comments and doing whatever they're doing, and you know, a lot of it is not necessarily directed towards the principles of the company or the company itself, but it's their own motivations um, as far as like call it market manipulation. Yeah. Um, and and event and and you know, the the sad thing is is that the retail investors are the ones that ultimately get hurt the most because you know these these lenders are they don't have to. Um, disclose the fact that they're, you know, dumping shares and shares at a discount into the market and affecting the stock price. So, you know, day traders and retail investors really, you know, get burned. Let me let me p- pivot off of that right there. And it's a great segue. I, I like that phrase that you use, reputation management. I wrote that down. And specifically to you, Joey, as well. Let me let me ask you this, because, again, you brought up this question kind of in, in the pre-planning. Being a defendant in a case uh, um, against the toxic lenders, what, 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 what is that roller coaster of emotions? What, what, what is that? You know, what does that look like? Do you bring in other folks to assist with that, as you called it, the reputation management, as you're going through through this ordeal as well? Well, I mean, I would have loved to, but you know, I was really tapped out and out of resources, so okay. you know, it was very difficult. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but, but just to, just to say that, yeah, I, I, as Lorraine says, you know, we're fighting back. I, you know, represented myself a pro se defendant in, you know, the Southern district uh, federal court in New York against a toxic lender. There was a six day bench trial um, of which I did take uh, open te- court testimony of the principal of this particular um, lending company who actually admitted in open court that they are not registered broker dealers um mm. and you know so so it, it 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 you know as far as my reputation goes that that was the whole thing i mean the court you know the ruling in the lower courts first of all they 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 got it wrong but i did prevail in the sense that they were not able to pierce the corporate veil because i was also sued personally so they really can't come after me for that reason but um, they did hold me liable on three counts. Um, and, you know, what, what does that mean? Well, that means that that hurts my reputation. So I had said to Mark Basile at the Basile Law Firm, I had said to him, I said, you know, if, if I don't prevail in this case, um, you know, um, will you take on the appeal? And he said, yes, because it's a slam dunk, because it's already following in the footsteps of um, Lorraine and her case against Adar Bayes. Awesome. Awesome. Just to clear my name. That's really what. The yeah. Point I mean, is. And that, at the I, end of the day, that's you know, what it, that's what you have. Right. right. I mean, that that's that's right. what you go home with. Right. And that, that's what you rest your laurels on. You, you got to have that piece as well. That, that's uh, appreciate. I, I think it's important. It's important James, to make another comment. You have to have thick skin. Right. Because you, you can't take it personally. Yeah. OK. Because it's not. Um, you have to stay, uh, you, you know, you have to communicate openly with your shareholders. You have to make sure that you, you know, you're, you're to, to the point of the other question before that you're disclosing everything that's going on, because once it's disclosed, I mean, it's out there, you know, you, you have to just be as honest and open as you possibly mm. can with your shareholders. Right. But you, that you're always going to have those stock bashers. You're always going to have the, the people that are putting FUD out there. You know what I mean? You can't help that because they're doing it for a reason. It's not personal, right? They're doing it because, 
they want the price to fall so they can, you know, they can interesting point. Sell Good off. point. Yeah, okay. That, hmm. You know, so you you just have to have thick skin and keep plugging away. But it's you know sometimes it's easier said than done because as Joe said, your reputation is everything, and you know it's hard to sometimes it's hard to recover from these types of things. Yeah. You know the bashing, hmm. etc. But yeah. I'm a, maybe maybe we'll do a, a follow up on the, the whole theory of and psychology of reputation management i i i wrote that down here so yeah stay stay tuned we'll, we'll see uh mr steve worthy is asking a question he says how do you identify toxic lenders based on your experience or is it hard to recognize because they are veiled behind surface and shale companies interesting question steve that is a good uh, question yeah how do you tell the sheep and how do you tell the wolf in the sheep's clothing, right? That's that's kind of what that is. I, I, well, now you know, I, I I wasn't really involved in all that fundraising and doing all these securities purchase agreements, but it wasn't until you know all the toxic lending lawsuits that I had to wrap my head around everything and really understand everything. And there's there's a bunch of notorious ones. Mm. You know, there's a group of yeah, usual suspects. Yeah, that it's just, they're out there. And, you know, not only do they operate under one name, but they have like five different companies that they, wow. you know, that they operate under. And, um, but, but I, I think that any, anyone that's considered a toxic lender is really anyone that's going to, um, you know, that has the reputation of, you know, doing a securities purchase agreement um, uh, for convertible notes and then just converting, uh, you know, within 180 days. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's a due diligence that needs to be done in order to figure out if they're toxic or not. And I think, I think we spoke about in the planning session as well, James, is that, you know, the, just the fact, you know, because convertible debentures are used all the time and they're not all bad, right? They're not all bad transactions, but when you have the convertible debenture along with the SPA and, you have all, you know, I, I think that in itself right there, those are two separate and independent types of transactions and never the two shall meet. But when you do a deal, <laughs> both of, I mean, we, it's okay for us. It's easy for us to say now, right? But at the time you don't even think about it, right? But when you present it with both documents, you know, in a transaction um, with a significant discount to market with all these default penalties, et cetera, et cetera, the red flag should go up. Gotcha. Right. And and then, as Joey said, you know, you do 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 due diligence, search on the SEC site, see what types of transactions they've done, um, because you know Google's a, a wonderful thing. You know, you can just everything's search out there. Very, and you're right; it's very easy to find out about companies these days. And if it's not the company, it's it's the, the names of the principals because they tend to, as Joey said, they'll shut down one operation and open up a new one under a different name. It's the same people. Uh, as a group was notorious to uh, 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 that, you know, uh, uh, we're not mentioning any names, of course. But, <laughs> we're, you know, we're going to stay at the 35,000 like foot level. Like to, right, yeah, we're right, going to stay at the 35,000 feet level. Yeah, so you just have to do due diligence. But, you know, th th it starts with the paperwork and it starts with, you know, just that in itself, right? If you look at a deal that way, it just you know, face value, the, that, that doesn't make sense from the get go. Gotcha. Right. But gotcha. Again, again, and this is an education, right? Because nobody said to me, oh, well, you shouldn't sign a, a securities purchase agreement if you're signing a, because they're two types, different types of deals. One's equity, one's debt. What is this? Is this a debt deal? Is this an equity deal? Right? You know what mm. I mean? 
but we don't think about it. But don't now, think about now it. hopefully, in, you know, we can educate other people to, to kind of, you know, the red flags to go up when they see those types of transactions mm -hmm. coming. That's the value right well, there. And also, you know, that the SEC, I mean, you know, they're, they're so limited in their resources and there's so much, so many bad things that go on in Wall Street. So, you know, where are they going to put their attention to? But, mm. you know, it has, it, you know, the, the dealer registration, you know, these toxic lenders are on their radar. You know, they are being investigated by the SEC. The SEC has won summary judgment on, you know, some of these toxic lenders already. And there's, right. you know you uh, that you know are um you know lawsuits against them right now uh that the sec has filed so um it's happening it's only it's really yeah. only a matter awesome. the, the landscape certainly will change i think the platforms are going to become way more regulated and and you know i, I don't necessarily know that it'll be cleaned up 100 percent because you're always going to have the stock bashes that's you true, can't really true. stop that right people you know it's freedom of speech people have an opinion and they like to share it right uh, so, um, but certainly when it comes to the, 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 you know, types of funding transactions that these, the, you know, OTC public companies can, can hope to see in the future, um, you know, hopefully maybe, maybe there won't be as many options available, right? Because mm -hmm. it was, as I said before, it's easy money, but at least it, it will, it will make these companies look at different, like, you know, form a, a group, a, a close group of shareholders that, you know, you have close relations with that you can rely on maybe as your angels right and you know families and friends you know you have to kind of think before you go into the public space now how we're going to raise capital because institutional lenders won't look at you as you said as joey said we're you know most of the companies are startups right so go into it knowing that you have resources and if you don't maybe it's not the right time to go public oh, and don't cool. don't and don't fall for the small talk you know what i mean they'll tell you oh you need to go public to raise money because then you have liquidity Everyone yeah. talks about Wall Street wizards. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, Joey keeps wanting to say something. As soon as you hear the, word, hear the word liquidity, turn and run a mile in the opposite direction. Because when someone tells you about liquidity, you know what the intentions are. Right? They want to sell. Come like, on now. They're, they're thinking about selling like quickly. They want to get their money back, right? They're not long-term investors. So... Man, see, hey, for, I'll just let them go because they were talking about it. So, and I put the comment <laughs> up and they kept going. So, Senior Miss Val, I think they already addressed your question here, right? Tips to, to vet reputable lenders. What options would you suggest for someone that feels toxic lending is only an option? So, I, I believe Joy and Lorraine just went into a ph phenomenal statement about that. Rewind after we're done and make sure you take the notes because they just went into really the, the full play by play in terms of that. And, um, yeah, be, be careful, folks, when, when you're out there raising funds, raising capital and who, who you're working with. Thank you guys all for, for these fantastic comments as well. Uh, let me go into something here. There was another question that popped up that I would really want to ask you guys. Um, yeah, Justin, is there actually a list available to the public? <laughs> how do we find these folks is it just going out well you can't go out to google and just say show me toxic lenders no. I, I mean what, what's, no. the, what's the code word um hey, hey gus are you still online tell us what the code word is yeah do we go into you edgar and find out who these are you could probably just go on you know the message boards of right. i don't know what is it yahoo or you know 
investor hub i, I don't know and yeah. just uh search you know talk to blenders talk to see what comes up yeah. Yeah. i'm yeah. sure there'll be a lot of investor hub yeah any of those platforms should give you some because because you know the the, the shareholders that do invest in companies the retail investors in, in companies you know they they're obviously as impacted as badly as we are as a business right so you know they, they they're the ones that get hurt most you know they yeah. don't have the ability to you know because you know the the toxic lenders they make their money back plus and some right plus, if, they were, if, if, they, if they were to just look at the straight conversion right and just just do business space they would still make a great deal of money and they don't have to be predatory they're still making a significant return on their investment right and they don't have to be predatory but unfortunately these guys are just greedy you know yeah, and I, so I sorry go ahead lorraine now, I'm just going to say to Joey's point, you know, so the, the, you know, retail investors that are on these message boards will speak about them because, uh, uh, as we've said before, everything's in our filing. So they know who we're doing business with. So they know who's really hurt mm. the stock and, mm -hmm. and their reputations precede them now anyway. So people know, you know, these, these usual suspects, we're hoping now that these usual suspects are going to go away because of what's happening with the cases that, with the seal law firm and what the SEC is doing. But, you know, that, you know, I think Joey's point's real good. Go on the message board, search for toxic lenders, and I'm sure you, I'm sure a whole list will pop G up. Gus says there's, there's a list right there. Oh, hey, there is an iHub list. There you go. Shoot, shoot, okay. shoot me a, a DM, brother, with, with this list right here. Yes, yeah, send the link. No, <laughs> I'm, I'll put it in the description. That see, ask for and you shall receive, folks. We come in here right. with premium content. We we got Basile Law Firm and coming in with some secret information we're going to share it with the world i, I love it i love it but we didn't uh, mention any names didn't mention any names no no names no, are mentioned no, because uh no. you know we, we don't want to be in more litigation that we already are in a <laughs> uh, couple more questions i wanted to get from the community that i see here and then i've got kind of the last two that i wanted to definitely shut down with because i want to be cognizant of your time i know joy you are on the east coast lorraine and i are still over here on the west coast and it's it's probably time for you you want you said you wanted to shut down for the for the evening for Sure. Um, I'm good. Senior Ms. Val is coming with some greatness tonight. So can a shareholder be a lender to a company or is this a violation of any SEC rules or law? And is this even a question that, um, that you guys would know or answer or, or would this be more from well, the litigation perspective? Well, well no, I mean, uh, a lender. Oh, oh you mean as a, as a, a debt, uh, have a debt instrument with a company? Is that what she's meaning? Because, because you know, in es in essence, you know, when when an investor gives a company mon money in an equity deal, they become a shareholder mm. because they get given they get given stock, right? Um, as far as I know, I mean, Gus may be able to chime in, but I mean, I don't think there's any rules that say you can't have a note and have equity in a company. I don't think there's anything that's okay. Gus just came up with something. I think this was, he was talking about the list right here. Oh, so okay. another way to just okay. simply look okay. for conversion okay. discounts. I've yeah, tweeted yeah. the I, list I, before, but I'll tweet it again tomorrow. Oh, he's going to make us wait, what, 24 hours? Oh, this guy. Wait, look. He's, he's on the East Coast as well. So gotta, Dude, you know the keys yeah. to the front door here. You know, you know how to come into the studio. So, well, I'll, I'll just put that out there. <laughs> no. Yeah, but to answer the question, yeah, I don't believe there's any rules against a shareholder having a note with a company as well and being a lender. So, you know, if, if you have shareholders that are funded to the company and they believe in the business and they believe in the fundamentals of the business, mm. yeah, I, I believe they can also be lenders. Um, and that's kind of what I was saying before, you know, how do you raise capital when these guys have gone is 
form a, a strong community of supporters for the company that believe in the business and believe in what you're doing. Um, and, and they hopefully can, you know, be your, be your lifeline in the future as opposed yeah. to having to do these toxic deals. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Quint, great question. I'm just going to say even before I put it on the screen, but again, I think we already talked about this, but again, this is, is, is good to reiterate is the best investment to bite the bullet and line up legal representation prior to taking any form of financial assistance. Same could be said for board members with that type of experience. I say yes. Whenever possible. Yeah, I, I but the challenge is sometimes the money is not there to retain legal counsel. So it's kind of like a chicken and egg, what comes first. Sometimes you, you, know, you don't have the money, you need to raise, raise capital to be able to retain Mm. Uh, legal counsel so it just yes it, 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 wherever possible you should always have you should always seek advice uh, 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 legal advice um, and preferably somebody who specializes in these types of transactions because as I said before we had SEC counsel but they never really highlighted the pitfalls of those deals because they were considered normal in the marketplace Got you. but they're not you know but yes got you Gus is saying, yes, they can, as long as they oblige with um, disclosure obligations, because it would be an interested transaction. So thank you, sir, for chiming in. Appreciate you for, for your assistance with these with these other hard-hitting questions that we have from the community. Love, I love my community, man. You, you guys are awesome. Uh, let's round third, start heading towards home right here. Uh, let, let me ask you guys this. Again, because the, the whole idea was to provide some insight and we've definitely done that, but provide some best practices and some gotchas. But what's that advice to offer other CEOs to how they can try to avoid some of these similar situations that you two have been in? I mean, just top two, top three things. And again, we, we may have already touched on them, but just kind of just to re- restate the obvious almost, I would say. And uh, Lorraine, I'll start with you this time. Okay, so, I mean, we've, we've stated some of the obvious before, but I mean, if you don't have the funds to be able to retain legal counsel, seek out other CEOs or former CEOs like Joey and myself and ask them if you have a particular deal that's been offered to you, look at who else has done a deal with that, with that particular lender. Find, you know, call the CEOs of that company so you can actually find out how they handled the transaction, how that lender performed. Were they, you know, were they toxic at the time? Were they, dis- you know, were they converting aggressively? So I think number one would be, um, you know, talk to other companies, other company CEOs who have done these types of transactions with these lenders and, and, and see, see, you know, to seek their advice. Joy, what about you? Well, as Lorraine also said earlier that, you know, sometimes you're just not in a position um, to be able to, you know, be a public company. And, you know, I I think, you know, uh, anyone that's considering a reverse merge, um, buying a shell, um, needs to really understand how much capital is actually needed just to even keep the public side of the business alive and, you know, the filings and everything, um, and how much capital is is needed overall. Uh, And where are they going to get the funding from? So um, I, I feel that if, a company's already public and struggling with this, um, just to pull back a little bit, just pull back. I, you know, I, I was in a race, like there was, you know, we, I had to, you know, so much pressure to build and grow and move um, on, you know, not a lot of money. So 
you have to scale back a little bit and wait and be patient. You know, it's better than getting involved with these toxic lenders because it's just going to be, you know, just it, it's pretty much the end. <laughs> Very wow. hard to serve. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Let me let me ask this. So, again, we've talked about kind of like I said in the monologue, we've talked about some of the good, the bad, the ugly and, and being being put into some some unfortunate situations. But that's not the end of the story. Right. That, that's that's not the last chapter. Right. For, for for you, two for sure. So what's what are you guys up to right now? What's what's next and what and what are you guys up to right now? Let's let's so it, do it that way. Yeah. Yeah, interest, interestingly enough, I have I have a consulting company right now, um, and um, part of that, part of what I do is, uh, you know, work with other CEOs, um, help them, and typically it's after the fact, right? But I'm trying to, you know, help them now before the fact. But um, we capitalize, we structure, um, you know, deal with uh, debt, different types of debt. You know, we structure the companies so that they can actually, you know, move forward and you know, clean up the cap table so they can go out and raise traditional money. So that's, you know, I'm actually, you know, using my experience, you know, things that I did wrong in the past, because you, know, you learn from your mistakes, to try and help other people um, going forward. So that's one of the things that I'm doing. Awesome. Um, and, you know, also, because we are fighting um, these toxic lenders now, uh, through, you know, what Mark Basile is doing with the Basile Law Firm, ultimately the goal is to take our public vehicle, file a form 10 and, and bring an operating business into, the, you know, new operating okay. business. Into maybe nice. in the same space, maybe a different space, but, you know, I'll, you know, I still feel responsible for the shareholders. Makes right? sense. No. So my, my, my goal would be to, you know, go through the process, clean the company up and then bring another operating business in that, you know, that, so that's, that's still on the horizon. That's still something that's kind of like in the books for us going forward. Fantastic. Thank you. Joy, what about you? What's, what's, what's going on in, in your world now? In my world? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I've been, I, I can't not do anything. You know, I've always, mm. you know, been working. I founded my company when I was, you know, 19 years old. I've never stopped. So, um, you know, I've been offered, you know, certain interesting positions and sit on boards and, you know, all sorts of things. But to be honest with you, you know, at, at this stage and, you know, after everything that's happened and just trying to clean everything up and, you know, resolve everything, get my reputation, you know, back, you know, squared away. Um, you know, right now I'm just kind of in a sort of call it a retirement phase. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. No, you know? hey, nothing wrong with that. Uh, nothing wrong with not that. Retirement. Yeah. So I have to get used to that though, because I'm, you know, always, doing something. So it's hard for me to say no, or just to, you know, not get involved with a project of some sort. You, you still got a lot of fuel left in the tank, right? You're not, you're not ready to, to just rock, rock on the, on the porch, right? On, you know, on, in the rocket chair. I love that, but that, that's good stuff. Listen, folks, we, what we talked about tonight was, was absolutely amazing. Uh, I don't know why my lower third isn't showing there. Oh my goodness. What's going on? Anyways, this conversation with, with Lorraine and, and Joey was beyond incredible. Hopefully you, you really got some value in terms of the conversation, folks. Uh, what to do, what not to do, even if you do do it, you, you see and you hear that there are now resources and people in place to help and to assist to make sure that you don't get uh, maybe too far down that, that path of me messing and dealing with 
toxic lending and things of that nature. So uh, I will make sure I've, I've got some of your contact information, uh, social media handles and things of that nature. So just in case folks want to go into a little bit of a deeper, more intimate conversation with you, they can reach out to you from those locations. I will make sure that's it. Like I say, in, in the description for this session. But outside of that, I just want to give publicly and tell you guys both. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for for being vulnerable, right? And and sharing the stories because because I know it's still so, somewhat raw in terms of a, a lot of things that you're going through, and to, to be open to uh, educate folks who are coming, like I say, coming behind you. I think that that's a true valuable lesson, and that's a true valuable uh, th- uh, learning piece that you can give to society. So again, thank you for that. Thank you, James. Thank you you so much, James, for having us. And yeah, we wish we had someone like us back back in the day. So, you know, it's it's a pleasure to be here and share some insight. Thank you very much. You guys be well. You guys, if you found some value in this, please share it. And uh, we will have some further conversations. Quint is asking, will the two ladies do this again? We'll, we'll, we'll see, right? You know, uh, I think uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a lot more to talk about. So, yeah, why not? (laughs) Done. Uh, there it is. Right. I, I just I nod and say yes. When when, when women speak, I pay attention because I, I know better. <laughs> We're going to end on that. Be good, you guys. <laughs>